Hey guys, this is Pastor Josh from Fresh Church. We are so excited that you are joining us for our podcast today. I do want to tell you that we pray at Fresh Church that you would get involved in the local church in your city. The Bible says that those that plant themselves in the house of the Lord will flourish. And a podcast and an online experience, a YouTube uh, sermon is amazing, but it does not replace the local church, the hope of the world, the community, the family that God has placed all of us in. And so we hope you find that and we hope you enjoy this message today. I turned the, the lights uh, almost all the way up. I'm gonna, I, I just felt led to just teach from the floor today um, for you guys. And uh, we're excited about what God is doing in our lives and in our midst here and um, within our church. And how many people had a great Thanksgiving? Come on. Anybody? Yeah, it was fun. Um, and, you know, got to watch a lot of football. Got to see Alabama lose yesterday. That's always fun. Come on, unless you're an Alabama fan. If you are, I'm sorry, but, you know, you should probably get a new team. Um, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Ha ha. Who can laugh in church? Come on. Come on. Somebody's like, I don't even like football. Why is he talking about football? Football's boring. Okay. Um, well, if you got a Bible, I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're talking about one verse today, just one verse that we're going to share with you today says this, you do well and excel in every respect, in unstoppable faith, in powerful preaching, in revelation knowledge, in your passionate devotion, and in sharing the love that we have shown to you. So make sure that you also excel in grace-filled generosity. I believe that this verse gives us seven things on how to wear Christ. How many people, you've got your favorite outfit, right? Like, you're like, you just love to put on that outfit. Because every time you put on that outfit, you feel good about yourself, right? You're like, I put on that blue shirt, and I'm amazing, okay? I, feel, I put on that hat, and I can take on the world, right? Like, I am in uh, my favorite clothes, and everybody knows it, and everybody should know it. And when I show up, somebody's going to be like, you looking nice today. Come on, look at them clothes, Right? you're wearing your clothes. Well, I, I was sitting there, and as I was studying the word this, this week, I think it's the same way that, that, that Paul gives us something right here on how to wear Christ. Like, literally how to wear Christ. He gives us seven things here on how we are to wear Christ. Like, if we are in Jesus, then the byproduct of Jesus being in us is we will wear him into everything and into every situation and into every conversation and into everything that we do. And so here's the seven things that he gives us. Um, and I'm going to go through them, and then we're going to go through them one by one. We excel in everything, he says, because what? You will do well and excel in every respect. We have an unstoppable faith. That's the second thing. The word lives in us and we speak it. We have a revelation knowledge. We have passionate devotion. We show love and we are generous. Those are seven things that are going to be the byproduct of us living in our new identity, of us living in Christ, of us wearing Christ. Turn to your neighbor and say, wear Christ. Say, so don't be putting on those old flesh clothes. 
Don't be putting on those old flesh clothes. Don't be putting on the old stuff. No, you wear Christ. Here's some of the ways that we can wear Christ, okay? Somebody that's wearing Christ, Paul says that you will excel in everything. Somebody needed that. Why are Christians so afraid? Think about it. Like, why are we so afraid to start that new business? Why are we so afraid to step out? Why are we so afraid to do something when in Christ, if we are wearing Christ, then we should be excelling in everything, Paul says. That the person that's wearing Christ excels in everything. Now, that doesn't mean that everything that you touch was going to turn to gold, but that means that everything that you do it with your all and you show up and you do your best, it doesn't matter what people say because guess what? You've already eaten cake. If somebody says, wow, that's awesome, then that's just icing on the cake. But you've shown up, you're doing what the Lord has put in you, and you are going to excel at everything. Somebody say, I'm going to excel. Do we believe that? Do we really believe that in Christ we should excel at everything? I think some of the saddest things is, is when we see somebody that's in Christ and we just see them just and they're struggling all the time and all these other things. I'm not saying that if, if you're in Christ that you're not going to have struggles, but the way that you go through your struggles is different because there's a different spirit on you. Uh, there, there's a, Paul says that in Christ, when we are putting on Christ, that we excel in everything. He's going, hey, Corinthians here, know what clothes you're wearing. You put on the clothes of acceleration because God is in you. That means God can give you an idea and what would take a normal person five years, it can take you five months in Christ, in his time, in his speed. I believe that we should have God ideas running in our brains. A friend of mine, and I don't know if I told you this story or not, but if I did, then you just listen to it again, all right? It's cool. <laughs> but a friend of mine, uh, he, he told me that he had a dream, and in this dream, Christ took him up to heaven. And, and when he was in heaven with him, he was walking around and, um, with, with Christ, and, uh, um, and Christ is like showing him around heaven, and he gets to this one room, and he's like, what's this? He goes, oh, this is the blueprint room. This is how we make money. What do you mean? You don't need money. He goes, no, but you do. This is how we make it. See, what you think is innovation is just an idea from heaven. Do you know that? What we think is the Apple computer is just an innovation from heaven. Okay? Whether somebody's going to recognize it or not, because God is the God of every single person. He is the God. He gives us knowledge. He gives us wisdom. He gives us everything. And so what you need to stop doing is, is, is stop just going, oh, God, I need an idea. I need an idea. I need an idea. I need an idea, or whatever that is, and just go to him and go, no, no, God, I am in you, and so you will give me ideas automatically because it's what you do. You've got a whole storehouse in heaven of original 
blueprints of original designs that you have made. It's setting up there of patents of all of these other things. And I am in you. And so I'm going to take the viewpoint that I'm going to excel in everything because I am in Christ. I need God ideation on my life right now. And so God, open up that storehouse where you keep the locked ideas there, where you and the angels and, and, and Moses and Elijah and everybody else is up in heaven writing out blueprints for what needs to be down here for such a time as this. God, you give me that ideation because that's what I need because it's not only what I need, it's what my family needs and it's what the world needs. Come on, somebody. This is the type of prayers that we should be praying. I want God ideas for the church. I want God ideas for my business. I want God idea for my marriage. I want God ideas in my parenting. I want a blueprint from heaven. I don't want a blueprint from the world. But the problem is, is we are spending so much time getting our parenting, getting our financial advice, getting our marriage advice, getting our dating advice, getting everything from the world, and then trying to put it into our lives, and then we wonder why it's not working. We need to realize that we're in Christ so we can excel in everything. We can have his ideation. We can have his patents. We can have his blueprints on our lives, in our lives. Somebody that's aware in Christ, like you're going up to them and you're talking to them and you're like, where did that idea come from? They're like, I don't know. God gave it to me. Isn't that awesome? Like, I was just praying. And all of a sudden, God said, iPhone. I was just praying, and all of a sudden, God said, snuggle blanket, come on. I was just praying, and all of a sudden, God said, write this song. I was just praying, and all of a sudden, God said this and this and this. And this is what brought this ideation. And then I started excelling, and things started turning to gold. But here's what you need to realize, whether you are in a place in your life where it seems like everything is turning to gold, or whether you are in a place in your life where you are in the struggle, how are you going, I'm going to show up and do my best, even in the struggle, with what God has given me. And I'm going to show up with the attitude of Christ, not the attitude of the world. Because see, I think that's the other part of us excelling in everything. It's not just that everything, again, everything you touch is going to turn to gold. But let me tell you something. I believe that if you keep on showing up with the mind of Christ, that you will excel. That you will get the promotion. That you will get the upgrade. Because that's what Christ promises. The second thing that we see that we need to be wearing is an unstoppable faith. An unstoppable faith. An unstoppable faith. You know what the enemy wants to take away is your faith. The enemy wants you to believe that God is not good. On your worst day, the enemy wants you trapped in negativity. Trapped in your negative loops that the first thing when you wake up and the kids start screaming, boom, there's a negative loop. It's on. Already. And then you just say, my day is going to be awful for the rest of the day. Is it? Or is it just a bad five minutes? See, some people, you let a bad five minutes lead into a bad five hours and then into a bad five days and then into a bad five months. And you need to realize it was only a bad five minutes. 
I need to realize that I have a faith that can go, okay, God, this is not going my way right now, but I believe in faith that you are still good. I believe that in faith that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I believe that in faith my marriage will survive. I believe that in faith that my kids will come to know the Lord. I believe that in faith that this will happen. I have an unstoppable faith for my life. I have an unstoppable faith in my career. I have an unstoppable faith that when I come to you, that there is nothing that we cannot do together because faith always finds a way. So I have an unstoppable faith. Faith always finds a way. I will wear an unstoppable faith. Look at the you look at the, 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 the Bible and, and, and you see Paul and you see the, the New Testament disciples. Guess what is um, present in their story? Struggle. There is no story in the Bible that you can read that does not have struggle with it. If we think that that is a possibility, then we're not living on planet Earth. But guess what you see in all of the greatest stories? Unstoppable faith. Unstoppable faith. And isn't that the movie that we want to watch? Like, isn't that the story that we want to see? Like, like very rarely am I just like, oh yeah, just let me see this person struggle and struggle and struggle and then have no, like, anything at the end of it. The, the reality is that there are people that live that way. And, and, and I think it's our job as Christians, as people who are wearing Christ, we're wearing the clothes of Christ to show up and to show the world that, yes, we are going to struggle, but in the struggle we have an unstoppable faith. Right? That there is nothing that can come against us. Neither height, nor death, nor, nor angels, nor demons, nor principalities, nor anything in this world that can come against us. We will always be in Christ Jesus, right? And we can have an unstoppable faith. And we need to show the world a community of people that have an unstoppable faith in the face of the storms of life that are going to hit us, that are going to come. But we take heart for our God has overcome the world. Amen, somebody. We take heart because our God has overcome the world and we have an unstoppable faith. That's what we wear. How do you walk into tomorrow with an unstoppable faith? wearing, putting on an unstoppable faith. Paul says, Corinthians, you're going to excel in everything that you do. You have an unstoppable faith. And then he says that you have the word that lives in us and you speak it, right? Which is, um, you excel in every respect. You have an unstoppable faith in powerful preaching. Somebody's like, I'm not a preacher. Don't tell me to preach, pastor. You preach. I ain't preaching. Every single one of you, your life preaches. Your life preaches a gospel. What gospel are you preaching? See, we all need to realize that. Every single post on Instagram is preaching something. Is it positive or negative? 
Every single post on Facebook is preaching something. Every single time that we get in front of our friends and we start talking to our friends and we start talking to our family and we start talking to our loved ones, our life is preaching something. What is it preaching? What is it preaching? Paul says that you are in Christ, so you have powerful preaching. Which means what? The word lives in you and you speak it. The word lives in you. Someone that's wearing Christ is going to have the word in them, and you're going to speak it. It's going to flow out of you. It's going to come up in natural conversation. It's not going to have to be something where you've just got to muster it up, like I've got to muster up a word for somebody. I've got to muster up this. I've got to do this. I've got to, I've got to bring No, no, no. It's just a natural byproduct of your relationship with Jesus because you've just been seeking God's face, and when you seek God's face, you get direction. I was telling some people this in pre-service this morning. I said, some of us, what we do is we go to God and we want direction first. God doesn't ever ask you to come to him and go, let me seek direction and guidance first. But if you read scripture, you know what he does say? Seek my face. Then direction will be given to you. Then my will will be known to you. Then my guidance will be given to you then that word that you need for somebody else will be given to you and you will speak it and you will tell them and you will give them a prophecy that they need to hear or you will give them a word. We don't go looking for prophecy from the start. We don't go looking for just guidance and direction from the start. We go looking for his face. See, here's why you don't need to come to me and go, Pastor, I just need a word for my marriage. Because one of the things that I'm going to try to do is I'm going to go, um, have you sought that word for your marriage yet? Because it's not an Old Testament visitation where um, the Lord would come down on a prophet and then he would go and the prophet would speak the word to all the masses, right? No, no, no. In the new covenant, in the new creation that you and I are in Christ Jesus, the word literally indwells in us. So the word of God is in you. God is in you. And so you don't need to go to a man looking for a prophecy or looking for a word. You need to go to the Lord and go, okay, you're in me. So what are you telling me about this situation right now? Now that doesn't mean that I can't confirm what the Lord is telling you. And there are some things that the Lord will tell me occasionally um, uh, that, that you need to hear that you're not listening for the Lord because your ears are closed. Right? But that doesn't mean that you start with me. Or you start with another prophet. Or you start with whatever. I'm not calling myself a prophet here today. I'm just speaking in generalities here. All right, guys? So, because you've got to know that the word lives in you. We have direct access to God's word. Do you know that? Because of Christ. You have direct access to the word. You have direct access to the Father. You can get the words and the direction and the will of God for your life and for the lives of others if you would go and seek his face. Come on. Seek his face. Not just direction. Everything that God wants to do in you is relational. It starts with relation. It starts with a relationship. I've been saying that over and over, but I want you to get it because it's so true. Because some of us, again, we try to come to God and we try to manipulate him to tell me this and this and this. And he goes, I, you know, we'll get to that. But you just need me. Then you'll get the guidance. 
then you'll get the direction. The fourth thing that we have is we have revelation knowledge. So that just comes out of a byproduct of what I just said. When we are um, in powerful preaching, in revelation knowledge, you have the word that lives in you. Someone that's wearing Christ has the word that lives in them, knows that the word is living in them. And then that means that we will have revelation knowledge, which means we have revelation knowledge, which means what? We have heard from the Lord. That's all revelation knowledge is. So you've sought his face, you've heard his voice, and you have received the revelatory word that then you put into action for your life. But here's where I want you to really think about it, okay? Because some of us sometimes, we know that God is speaking to us. We know that he's speaking from heaven. He gives us a revelatory word. He gives us that knowledge, but then we don't do anything with it. But the person that wears Christ listens to the word that he has received from the Holy Spirit, from God, from that direct access that's been given to him or her, and then does, does what? Goes out and lives it out. Goes out and lives it out. Goes and lives that word. And that's what we have to do. I, I, I just want you to say, I, I just want you to say about this. Again, do not waste revelation knowledge the Lord has given you. It's so special. How are you putting it into action? It's so amazing that we can hear his voice. And then he gives us his will. He gives us his guidance. He gives us that revelatory knowledge. And then we go and do it. And, and that's what's so amazing. That's one of the things that separates us from all of humanity um, is that we are a new creature that we have direct access to God. And then he gives us a revelatory word. And then we go out and do it. And then the byproduct of us going out and doing it is people go, what was that? How did that happen? How did you get there? What did you do? Tell me. But a lot of us were just afraid to go and put that revelatory word into action. Because it means that you've got to give up something. It means that you've got to consecrate yourself. It means that you've got to do things differently than the way all of the rest of your friends are doing it. Or all the business is doing it. And you're not willing to go there. And so then you miss out on wearing Christ and the fullness of the revelatory word that he's given. Let me just tell you something. If God has told you a revelatory word, follow it. No matter the cost. No matter the cost. The fifth thing that we see in the person that's wearing Christ is we have passionate devotion. We have a passionate devotion. How many people um, you do like football? Just raise your hand if you do like football. Um, you like college football, NFL football, uh, you know, or basketball, or whatever else. One of the things that you will see when you watch that is passion. I mean, think about it. They're worshiping. People are going to be worshiping when the Titans play today. If they play. I don't know if they play today. I guess they do. But people are going to be worshiping. People are going to be passionate. People are going to be followers. People are going to be shouting. 
where is your passion level for Christ? The person that Paul is describing, he says, the reason why the, the local church is changing the world, and these were not huge mega churches, by the way. These were churches of 40, 50, 60, if that, 30, 20 people. But the reason why they were changing the world was not because of the church attendance. It was because of the passion that was filling those house churches. He said, you're a passionate follower. What does it mean to be passionate? What does it mean for you just to, again, seek the Father's face with passion? Meaning that there's a moment in your week, maybe many moments, and I hope it is many moments, where your car gets turned into a worship service from heaven. Where your bathroom and your shower all of a sudden is just like there's like angels everywhere wanting you and worshiping with you. Where you lay down on the couch and you're just like, all I want is your embrace. And you come to this place and it's passionate worship. It's not just, oh, well, you know, if we get there during the first song, great. I just want to get to the work. Nope. The first song is as important as the third song or the fourth song or the sermon. There's passion in my worship. People see that there's passion in what I do. One of the things that, that, that I believe that, um, that we can tell when God is really moving in us and when we need to kind of have our heart checked a little bit is, is, is when your passion stops flowing and you just begin to go into autopilot. That's something that the, the Holy Spirit's probably knocking on your heart a little bit and going, hey, what's going on there? I think we need a tune-up here. When you see your passion level going down, because, I mean, I, I've met some people, like, when they first get saved, like, their passion level is, like, up there, right? It's just like, oh, I will go get everybody saved right now. Uh, the Lord is in me. Like, he is on me. He has anointed me. He has done this and this and this. Isn't this amazing? I'm inviting every single person that I know. And then a year later, you're, the struggles of life, all these other things that come in, and you're just like, man, I'm just beat up. I don't even know. Like, I tried to get all my friends to come know Jesus and all this other stuff, man. I, my passion level is just... What, what, what ignites your passion level? Seeking God's face. Worship. Prayer. When negativity starts to fill your mind, what do you do? Do you just go into the negative loop or do you go, no, 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 no. That's not for me. That's not for me. Christ didn't die for negativity to ruin my mind and to live in me, there's no place for it. There's no place for it. it. It might even be true that there's some things that are happening to you, but you are a person that lives present future. Again, like what we talked about. And you go, I know my today may look like this, but this is what God has shown me in my future that he has for me. And so I'm not going to live in the negative cycle that everybody else is living. I'm not going to accept this. I'm, I'm going to know that, that 
here's the thing about God. He loves, he loves, he loves, he loves, he loves, he loves the process of restoring you to what you should look like in Christ. And so sometimes we just go, God is enjoying seeing me becoming more like Christ right now. So Christ, why don't you just help me enjoy it? He's enjoying putting you on the potter's wheel and taking out some of the stuff that doesn't need to be there. And although it may be painful, the rewards of getting that out are so worth it. One of the things that I've been going, okay, okay, God, yes, there's this problem, but what do you want to teach me here? What do you want to say to me here? What do you want to do here? Yes, I know that it seems like my wife and I, we have fought for the fourth time this week, God. But God, what do you want to teach me? Don't worry about her. Don't worry about him. Worry about you if you're married. Don't worry about somebody else treating you bad. Don't worry about, no, what is the Lord trying to tell you? Trying to tell you. And then go, God, get that out of me so that my passion doesn't wane. Because the Lord needs to, the world needs to see a passionate follower. I want to be a passionate follower of you. I want to know that you are good. I want to know that you are faithful. I want to know that you are righteous. I want to know that you are peaceful. I want to know that you have all the fruits of the Spirit that you can give me. And so right now, the only reason why my passion is waning, because there's a, there's a fruit of the Spirit that I need here. So God, show me what it is right now in this situation and restore my passion and restore my passion. We have passionate devotion. The sixth thing that we'll, we'll look like is that we'll show love. We show love. We don't just talk about love. We show it. We show it. When we were planting this church, um, one of the, the things that people would say to me is that it's one thing for somebody to go, man, I'm praying for you and that church. It's a completely different thing for somebody to write a check. And I was like, that's good. Because it's true. So now, every time one of my buddies is planting a church, I don't just go, man, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you planting that church. Like, oh, somebody starts a business. Oh, I'm, I'm going to pray for you in that business. Now I'm going to be like, how can I write you a check? Because that's going to show them that I love them a heck of a lot more than me just going, low. oh, let me pray for you about that. That's a tangible way, right? How do we show love? Not just talk about love, but show it. Like somebody that's wearing Christ will be legitimately, legitimately trying to show the love of Christ that lives in them. The sacrificial love of Christ. God. If you're married in here, what's one way this week that you go, you know what? I need to sacrifice. Lord, show me this, this, this week. I need to start getting up because my kids get up at the butt crack of dawn every single morning. Like, I'm telling you guys, it, I mean, it, it, it's like every morning I'm in bed and then it's just like the chaos can begin in the Hulk house sometimes, you know? And so 
And my wife, it's just like, it, it, when, when her and noise, uh, I mean, it's oil and water, guys, you know? And, and, and so for me, I don't mind it as much, but you know what the Lord told me? He said, I want you every single week this morning, or, or every single week um, in the morning, can't talk today, in the morning, I want you to get up at 5.30 before your wife does, and the moment those kids come down, you're the one that directs them into the kitchen. You're the one that is calming them down. You're the one that's feeding them. And, and, and I, I do normally always feed my kids in the morning, by the way. But, um, but I'm the one that can help them not be loud. I'm the one that can do that. And why would I do that? Because it's a sacrificial way that I can show love to my wife, Asha. What's one way that you can show love to somebody this week? What's one way that you can show a friend that you really love them? What's one way that you can show this church that you love this church in a tangible way, in a tangible, sacrificial way, other than just your attendance? Because that's the easy part, guys. Maybe you bring somebody next week. Maybe you, maybe you go, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give. I'm going to do, like, whatever that is. But you show love in a tangible way. I believe that people... Man, don't they need to see us showing love? Not just talking about love. Isn't that why so much of the world doesn't want what we have? Is because they look at us or they look at the church or they look at Jesus or whatever and they go, I like Jesus, but I don't like the Christianity. I really like Jesus. Like he 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 he's cool. But I don't really think that you look anything like him. Or if you do, I mean, because you, you, you honestly you just kind of look like me. I mean, you value the same things that I value. You spend money on the same things that I spend money on. You, 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 you I mean, all, you, know, you know what I'm saying? How can we show love to the world that needs it desperately? And the last thing that he says that we will be putting on, how we are going to be wearing Christ, is that we will be generous. He says you're generous. Look, so make sure that you also excel in grace-filled generosity. Excel in generosity. We don't like that word sometimes. <laughs> uh, preachers don't talk about money, giving money, da-da-da-da, whatever, you know. No, 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 no. He says to excel in grace-filled generosity. Excel in grace-filled generosity. I want you to think about the generosity of God real quick. Think about this for a moment goes back to us being able to excel in everything that we do, too. I want you to think about this. Christmas time, right? Um, Mary, Joseph. Angel comes down, says, Mary, you're going to have the Son of God. Joseph, you're going to be the father of the Son of God. He has to feel like really, really, really like, how can I do that? Raise the Son of God? Are you kidding me? How am I going to provide for the Son of God? Like, he needs a good good um, upbringing. I'm poor. I'm a carpenter. I'm like learning my trade. I don't even really have a, my, maybe he had his business going on. Maybe he didn't. All of these other things, right? And he's like, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to provide for him? Uh, Mary's like, how are we supposed to provide for the son of God? And now I just want you to think about this. All of a sudden, there's a star that comes up into the sky that three wise men who are kings, basically, from this area and this area and this area, and one of them brings, just happens to have a whole stick of gold. 
and lays it at the feet of this baby. Providence. Generosity. Joseph's like, I can do a lot with this. Frankincense, myrrh, oh, I can do a lot with this. Where did this come from? You were obedient, Joseph, and didn't leave your wife. There's some things that you need to say yes to, and you're so afraid to do it because you're just like, that's going to cost this, that's going to cost this, that's going to do this. And God's like, I've already got you. Are you kidding me? I got three people from, you know, Korea that are going to come and invest in that project right now. But I think Joseph had to be generous, didn't he? He had to have grace-filled generosity for Mary. He could have left her. He could have done everything else, but he had to have grace-filled generosity to sit there and go, you know what? No, I'm going to stay with you because the Lord has told me to do that, and, and there's some grace-filled generosity in that. I think there's some things that God wants to do in you, but you are not going to be able to see it because you can't give up what's in your wallet to see it. There's some things going on right now um, in my own life where I, I'm like, okay, I know I got this coming up and this coming up and this coming up, and there's a chance that if I get this and this and this, that then um, I may get this and this and this financially. Because I, I, I had somebody like, you know, prophesy over me some things that the Lord has shown them, and now he's confirming it, and there's some things that are coming up in my life that I'm just like, okay, well, this could mean this and this and this. And, and there's already this tension in me that goes, okay, if I get that, then that, I've, I've, I got to write that check, God? I already wrote a check like that one time. Now you want me to do it again? And you know what that says? That there's something in me that needs the fruit of the Spirit to come in and, and change me. Because generosity should be a joy. It's grace-filled generosity. He's like, the first time you wrote that check, you couldn't wait to. Now, why, why don't you want to write it again? I want to be filled with grace-filled generosity. What if you were just the person at work that just totally shows up and just totally blesses the socks off somebody for Christmas? Like, you can't do it for everybody, but you did it for one. What, what if it was like, again, like I said this, this last, uh, last week, what if you, you were just like, I'm going to bless the socks off this church with my best gift that I'm going to give grace-filled generosity to the church and not just the, this and this and this? Like, what, what, would, what would that look like for you? What would that sacrifice look like? What would grace-filled generosity do? How would grace-filled generosity change the world? Any, anybody excited for the uh, Ellen show that's coming out where she's going to, like, just give a bunch of stuff away to people, um, and it's always, like, fun, right? And you know what I was thinking? I was like, man, they're doing that, and they're making this big to-do, and it's going to be great, and people are going to cry. It's like when Oprah comes in, and it's like, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car, everybody gets a car, right? And we're all, like, we're all crying about it. And those companies, though, they could care less because that's just a tax write-off. That's all that is. There's so many people. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that there may not be some people that are really generous uh, in the, and, and go, you know, I want to give to that cause. But for the most part, they just go out and they get businesses to write big checks, and then they go and bless people. And it's awesome. 
And, and I think that is, is wonderful that they're doing it, but I sit there and go, as the church, isn't it so awesome when we just go, what God has given us, all of a sudden we're just going to go and bless people because God has told us to be generous. I'm going to live below my means. I'm going to do something that, 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 that would be a sacrifice for this and this and this so that I can give more and have grace-filled generosity and see the blessing that would come with that. So here's what I want to say. What if you're not seeing this in your life? What if you're not seeing yourself excel in everything? What if you're not seeing yourself have an unstoppable faith? What if you're not seeing yourself uh, with the word that lives in you and you're not speaking it? What, what if you, you don't have, you, you, you don't seem to have revelation knowledge? What if you're not showing passionate devotion? What if you're not showing love? What, what if you go, I don't know about being generous? I, then here's what you need to do. You need to go to the Lord right now and you need to go upgrade me in these areas. It's as simple as that. Doesn't mean that you're not, doesn't mean you're bad, doesn't mean that you're not following Jesus. What it means is that you just need an upgrade. That there's still some habits of that sin flesh, that sin nature that are in you, and you need an upgrade. And so as the band comes back up, I, I, I just want you to stand for a moment and let's all just join in with what the, the, the Lord wants to do. I hope I hope some of this has blessed you this morning. Come on.